0: Hello, and uh, good afternoon to all of you. I am Michelle South, and I'm the founder of Lemonade Legend. I specialize in amplifying the voice of women who have gone through uh, really um, uh, breakthrough moments in their life. So they are um, people who have uh, made lemonade out of lemon. They have found a vision much, much stronger, more powerful than their fear. And they've been able to create some beautiful things out of those challenges. Um, in, in, in some cases they're still going through challenges but they're finding ways to really break through that um, to make a powerful story. Uh, so with that I also want to uh, remind every one of my listeners that I am uh, putting out a book next month. Um, I am collaborating with 18 other amazing women. And that this is the Lemonade Stand series where we are featuring uh, each and every uh, author um, to kind of give a little tidbit of their story. We're not going to give you too much information on that. We're really just going to kind of find out more about um, who these authors are. Um, Uh, in the book. And today, my guest is Vicki Mudra. I want to make sure I'm I'm peeking because I want to make sure I got the name of your business right. Vicki Mudra, the founder of the Institute for Deliberate Practice, which I love that because that could mean a lot of things. And you're going to tell me (laughs) what that means to you. But first, let me say welcome, Vicki. I'm so pleased to have you here
1: thank you michelle i'm excited to be here
0: yeah we've been uh we've we've been you've been on board you were one of the first to get on board with the lemonade stand I was. Um, which i mean that journey has been going since about may and everyone has had their different reasonings for um uh, wanting to jump on board and be a part of, of what is turning into a, a pretty powerful a uh, kind of movement and organization, but tell me a little bit about why you decided to join.
1: Yeah, glad to. So from our first conversation, I fell in love with the image of the lemonade stand and all that that represents from the first time I heard about the project. Um, I remember having a lemonade stand as a kid. I'm sure a lot of people do. Um, and the image that comes to mind for me is community. Um, I always had a community of my friends and other neighbor kids who would gather around to ask me how much money I'd made. People were always interested in that. Um, There was always a community of adults that would come out and support me. Um, And I just remember people being willing to give me a quarter for one of those little Dixie cup uh, filled with my sweet and tangy beverage. Sometimes it was a little sweet. Sometimes it was tangy. I never could get the recipe right. But uh, yeah, so community, Um, I love the idea of being part of a community. The other image that came up for me when I when I was talking with you, and I remember this in our conversation, um, was just Lucy in the peanuts cartoon. (laughs) And um, I don't know if a lot of people know much about Charles Charles Schultz, you know, the cartoonist, obviously, and creator of peanuts, but he had a great insight. Um, I've always admired him. And so I get connected with what he was trying to do with Lucy in the Peanuts cartoon. Um, he had great insight into human emotions and inner relationships. And he was able to share that, I think, with the world through the eyes of children. Um, and I, I always could relate to him because there was a, you know, there was a story, if you ever research him, um, behind the Lucy character and her lemonade stand. and, a lot of people, he went through a lot of teasing as a child. He had a lot of um, teasing and taunting on the playground. And then he had, um, he went through his awkward teenage years. But as we, most of us know, he grew up to be, um, you know, very dignified and respected commentator on the nature of human spirit. And so I'd like to think that while in this project, um, I certainly can't give psychological advice any more than Lucy could for a nickel. I've Felt honored, and I just felt blessed to be invited to share my stories, I think, by sharing my experiences, sharing my heart um, with with the readers, um, and then sharing my belief that people deserve to celebrate their great work, and I think people are called to give and be the best versions of themselves, and so I just saw this collaborative book as this beautiful way uh, to do that, so that's my my long answer. You said that.
0: Amazingly amazingly well, and I'm going to go back to that just a little bit because that's really meaningful to me of what you shared because, you know, picking a title for a book is not an easy thing, and it was a collaborative effort, and we had, uh, I tell you, a list, Jenna, way long. And the lemonade stand resonated with all of us, but I'll tell you why. I had the end say so, and I I said, That's it, the lemonade stand. And you hit, and not many people do this, you hit on it all because, you know, it is that first entrepreneurial experience that most people have. Um, It is so much about community. I I really saw that too. You know, I saw the father who's finished with uh, lawn mowing, and then he's going, I'm going to go get a cold drink of lemonade and meanwhile another neighbor walks that over so they're all having a little you know a community gathering but lucy lucy was kind of critical for me for a lot of reasons first of all she brought some humor into it mm-hmm. and as people read this story they're going to see that there's a lot of humor i mean there's a there's tragedy there's 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 all kinds of, of, of obstacles and difficulties that are part of people's life. But everyone has a sense of humor. They're all able to put that in there. And the other thing about Lucy is that I don't, I don't care what your situation is. There's always some element of mental illness that is a part of it. Not to say everybody has mental illness, but we all deal with... We all deal with stuff in our head.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> stress. stress. Stress can be, stress if it's not managed and processed can, you know, manifest into something. So, yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, so I love that you brought all of that up. And, um, you know, I, I continue to try to put that out there too. So there's a good understanding of what the whole, you know, the title means. But it's not just about the title. It, it's about what's in the book. And the different stories, and I will say that one of the beautiful things about this is the diversity of the situation, so each and every woman out of out of nineteen women we, we have an amazing diversity of of situations and issues, and how they 've been dealt with and um, and yours is unique and i I don't want to give away the farm. So, um, I'm, I'm only giving you enough time to give a teaser out there (laughs) as to, you know, what's one of the things that you would like to put out there, um, that is part of your story.
1: Yeah. So for me, um, it it really was something that there was a lot of things. There's a lot of stories that I, that I share. um, and you have to read the book. Um, but for me, it was really the response from my mother that resonated, and what what, as I was writing, I found to be my consistent theme. Um, my mother um, so I shared one of a, a difficult secret with her when I was thirteen, and she said a phrase. Um, she said, four simple words, she said, "You have a choice." And as I was going back and reflecting on my life and preparing to write, Um, I I recalled hearing those same four words just over and over throughout the years, whenever we would face a difficult situation. So it wasn't just one situation. It really was how my mother um, kind of showed up in my life during all of them. Um, And I never truly understood what it meant uh, or what she meant until recently, as I've been going through some other seasons of challenges um, in the past few years. And so that phrase really started taking on a whole new meaning. And even 10 years after she passed away, I'm I was still hearing those words about um, my own personal agency and choice when we're faced with challenging situations. So for me, it wasn't just one story. It was really how my mom and, and that phrase and, and that idea of choice kept showing up and continues to show up in my life. Well,
0: I have to say that um, that was a great piece to share because this isn't just a book, book about what was my one optical, how did I get through it? For the most part, this is a book about what separates the people who are able to push past that fear, that obstacle, that challenge, and make something positive out of it and be able to take that path um, of of courage. Um, And so so that's why I think that was a great piece to bring up because I I want that message to resonate that this is a book about, people having opticals. Everybody has opticals. Name me one person who doesn't. (laughs) I can't come up with anybody. Um, but there is something that separates, um, and I want to be careful with my choice of words, but really kind of separates the people who, um, you know, choose courage or, you know, choose the positive way. And, um, and the, the other interesting thing, too, that I'll bring up right now is I'm not trying to be exclusive of men, necessarily, because <laughs> I know a lot of great men who have a lot of really good stories. But one of the things that, uh, in my experience through podcasting and talking to women who you know have a similar situation, is that it, it's not even just getting through it. It's that most women have a, a complete mindset chain that they don't just go back to living the way they were.
1: Right.
0: They become something more powerful than what they were.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's really a great segue into kind of, you know what I'd like to share next, please. Yeah. So, um, so I had a big aha. I mean, that was absolutely brilliant what you just said because the big aha for me came as I'm writing, as I'm reflecting. Um, I haven't written a book before until this because I didn't want it to be a story. I didn't want to write a story about all of these things that have happened in my life. That's not what I wanted to write about. And so I've found that I held, you know, kind of held back and didn't lean into writing, even though it was something I wanted to do. And your invitation, and the community, and just the way this whole process has unfolded, um, it, it created this beautiful space for me, Michelle, that I was able to have this big aha. And, and what that was, and you, you use the word, um, it, it really opened my eyes to the role that courage has played in my life. I think I always knew I was resilient. I always was able to bounce back. Right. But in the process of really writing my story and writing for this chapter, I looked at the difference between resiliency and courage. And when we think about the definition of resiliency, it's the ability to recover or bounce back from something. And I think as women, you said it really well. I think we, we are good at that. We are, we can flex, we can kind of, you know, we can be stretched and bent and compressed and, you know, squeezed. um, And, and we can, we can bounce back um, even at the effect of something that's happened to us. The courage on the other hand, I think is having the mindset. And again, you use that word. We're, we're in sync here. I think courage is having the mindset and the spirit to face danger, not to to have it sneak up on you and get it, but to actually see fear, see uncertainty, um, see the burning building and go in anyway, right? And so again, the difference lied in going back to those four words from my mom about, you know, we have a choice and no matter what happens, we should always strive to be resilient and rise up. But even more importantly, I think she was inviting me To consider how I would actually emerge from the situation, deliberately choosing how I wanted to come out on the other side of whatever the event. And so, so it wasn't just bounce up, but, but how do you want to be as you, as you're moving through the experience, not just the event, but the effect that the experience has on you, you still get to choose. And so I think um, that's the, that's my big aha. So do you have that thought process of
0: how you wanna come out from that or what, what, what's on the other side for you?
1: Yeah, so for me, um, so I'm a longtime student of the theory of deliberate practice. Uh, it's the name of my company. It um, coming out of higher education and healthcare education, I've seen firsthand the increased levels of um, technical competency and clinical excellence as deliberate practice is used very widely in, to improve human performance. And we see it in elite athletes and but also in healthcare clinicians. You know, the ability to deliberately practice brain surgery, you know, can happen in simulation in ways that it couldn't happen before we had ways of doing simulation, right? And so so I decided to, over the past few years, I've decided to apply these theoretic principles of purposeful and systematic practice combined with coaching and feedback, because, you know, again, a, a great athlete, every great athlete has coaches, right? They have a team yeah. of coaches, not just one. Um, and and I started to consider the possibilities around personal and professional development in other areas, like emotional and conversational intelligence, um, decision-making, relational competency. So not just the physical and technical skills, but um, I got really curious about how we could take what we know about improving physical performance and apply the same theory to what we often refer to. And I hate this term, soft skills. And that's how my business was built. That's pretty fascinating. Okay, I'm I'm gonna give you a hypothetical okay. Um,
0: patient. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure you're gonna like this one, but okay. It came across when you were you were speaking um the, you know, a few minutes even before just now. And I thought of the wizard of oz and the lion. Mm-hmm. And what I thought about is that of course we always have this image that lions have courage, it's like inborn if they had the courage, but in The Wizard of Oz that wasn't the case. And the fact of the matter is, is that you know when the wizard um when the wizard gave him his courage a symbol of courage he still didn't have it he had to choose courage yes. and so and he chose courage because he saw that Dorothy was in trouble mm-hmm. and that it was like you know I have to choose this because I love Dorothy I, want, I need to save her so the hypothetical patient mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you would take because you you would think that the lion then, okay, Dorothy is saved, everything is fine. Is he going to continue to go on with a courageous attitude or is he going to need that kind of mentoring and coaching to really truly understand what courage is and how you choose courage? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, So if you remember, he actually had it. He just didn't realize he had it because he hadn't chosen it. And so, you know, just like the tin man always had a heart, he just had to learn and be, and he had to raise his awareness. Right. And so for a lot of us, I think it's waking up. I think it's, it's, it's may, it's asking ourselves, what if, what if I had courage, what would that look like? Um, I think it's asking people to reflect on times in their life when maybe they did demonstrate courage, but they didn't, they didn't realize that's what it was. And so, um, and so I think that, yeah, I think part of it is awareness and it is, it is inviting people to, to ask themselves about what other choices do they have? So, you know, quite simply, one of the things that I always tell people, um, you know, is make it make two lists. So what do you have that's in your control? What do, then? Make some decisions about that. Go go put some energy around things that are actually within your control. And there's so many choices that we can make. And yet we then I ask them to make a list. What are the things that are that are challenging, fearful that are not within your control? And and what's happening when you take energy and you try to put it towards that? And so. Quite often, it's just having an awareness um, of what what is within my control and what kind of decisions, what kind of choices can I make? Another thing that I find, and I think this might have been the case with the lion, is believe it or not, some people, I believe, need permission. And I know that sounds really crazy. I was giving a keynote at a, a state chapter of a massage therapy association back in the fall. And one of the first questions I asked the, the group was how many of them had had a massage in the last six months? There were less than 10 hands that went up. And so I said to them, I said, okay, I want to write you each a permission slip to, for self-care, you know, for, right. for getting a massage, like, like you deserve that. So I think, um, I think it's a lot of those things, but it's really looking at what are, where, what are the choices that we have? And are we diverting our energy away from the decision-making that's within our span of control? Because we're trying so hard to control the things that we can't change. We have no choice. Right. Um, yeah.
0: Fascinating.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so what are your plans for the next part of your journey. I don't know if you really like kind of ended in a starting better. So let's say, what are your plans for moving forward yeah, as you yeah. journey through so many different situations?
1: Yeah. Um, thanks. Um, I love that question. So I left my corporate gig a year ago. Um, actually, if it's ironic, it'll be a year and two days that I will celebrate my, um, my departure from a, a job that I loved a job that was um, very, very important to me. I did really meaningful work and I had amazing um, relationships. So, um, But my personal mission is to advance the knowledge and the deliberate practice and evolution of care and communication um, in ways that positively transform the way people lead themselves and others. So I really wanna you know, work with leaders But remembering that we are all leaders, even if we don't lead teams, every single person is a leader because at the very minimum, we lead our own lives. So we are leaders of our own life at at a minimum. Um, uh, And then my vision. So my vision for my company, I really want to reignite that energy, um, engagement, and uh, overall effectiveness in mission-driven organizations. So again, people can celebrate their best life and their best work. I think everybody deserves that. Um, my purpose, I wake up every morning and, and I just kind of keep, keep the, the eye on the prize. My purpose in life is to love unconditionally and inspire joy and courage and connection throughout the world. I really feel sometimes that I should be walking around with a prescription pad or, or a, a permission slip saying, you know, you, you, I, I'm giving you a, a permission to experience joy. I believe in possibility and joy in the workplace. Um, yeah, I, I, I believe that'd be it's possible. fun.
0: I just had this image, uh, let's go spend an afternoon, I don't know, pick a place here in Phoenix, you know, where we both live, and just <laughs> spend an afternoon handing out these slips. Let's I do it. You know,
1: I wonder- And a, a little Dixie cup of lemonade. <laughs> We could set up a lemonade stand. and instead of passing out psychiatric help like like uh, Lucy tried to do, we could give joy slips. And and, and little, it won't even cost you a quarter. No, it won't cost you a quarter. I love that, Michelle. I'm so there. I'm so there. We
0: need to, We need to pick an afternoon. I, I, I'm like thinking that um, yeah. I'm there. You know, because the thing is, I I don't know, I think we've gotten so far away from thinking about kindness and generosity and giving ourselves permission and taking care of ourselves. And um, I had the most wonderful podcast with Elena Porter, um, uh, an author in the book. And we, we talked a lot about just kindness, Mm-hmm. Just be kind for a day. Pick a day, one day. Just be kind for a day. Yeah. That's it, it, not amazing, but it is. But the concept is amazing because even if you're trying to do that, all it takes is some little irritant and, you know, it goes out the window. Yeah. And that, you know, if we all just practice that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, it would be a beautiful
1: place. Yeah, I love that. I participated this year in Lady Gaga's Twenty One Days of Kindness, and it was a big movement. And um, it, I I was interviewed about you know what what would that look like and what could I do for twenty one days. So, yeah, I I completely agree. I completely agree. That would be amazing. Um, so we talked about.
0: The kind of difference you want to make, and um, you know what you see out of this this, this book and the outcome. And, and if I if we've left anything else, this is a good time to segue back into that. Sure. Um, is there is there more you would like to say about uh, your participation in the book and 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 what you're doing in your life work?
1: Yeah. Just you know, I again I think. There's so much we can't change. There's so much that we cannot change. And speaking of change, there's also change happening all around us. That um, even good change, it's still change. And you talked about mental illness at the beginning of our of our conversation. And you know, stress, even even good stress, is still stress, and it still has a chemical impact on the body. And um, so there's so much though that we we can't control. And there's changes happening. But I do believe that it starts with um, connection. I'm a, a big believer in community and relationships. I think um, relationships are the most important thing. They're, relationships are more important than work. They're more important than anything else. And I think that through heart conversation, heart-centered conversations, through, um, through true connection, I'd like to see leaders and teams regularly exploring, you know, what's working for them, um, looking, paying attention to their culture. Making sure that there's, you know, community support, that there's fellowship in the workplace. Like, what does that look like? Um, you know, it's it's employee engagement, but in a in a broader and deeper way, I think, than what we see sometimes. Um, and so, I and I think particularly in healthcare, again, coming out of healthcare and higher education, um, and, and really any human service organization, anybody that's serving from themselves. Um, I think there's this sense that joy and success are mutually exclusive. And I just wanna say they're not. You can have joy and you can be a success and effective. You can have it all. It's a choice though, right? So right. happiness is on the outside. Joy is something on the inside and we get to choose what's on our inside. Nobody gets to, nobody gets to choose that for us. I just wanna invite leaders um, to ask themselves, what if it could be different? What if you went into your arena every day um armed with joy as your weapon of choice? What would that be like? Wow.
0: What would that be like?
1: Yeah. So I,
0: I don't wanna I don't wanna misspeak, but I'm gonna tell you what what I've heard you say about what you're doing for um the uh, uh let me look again. Institute for deliberate practice yeah. is um That you more integrate. I know so many coaches who are are out there with how to change your life. You know, and then there's the coaches that are how to be successful in work, you know, and there seems to be a bit of that separation. Um, What I'm hearing from you is that you're blending the two. Am, Am I on target with that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can't have an organization. You can't have a workforce without people. It's people first. And, and you can't, you know, it's using the, the airline adage, we cannot serve others. And again, in, in healthcare, um, I, 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 I've been known to say in this, you know, it's, um, I get a few eyebrows and that's okay. I call BS on, you know, patient-centered care sometimes because we we want to give good care to our patients and our customers. Any kind of service business, you know, customers first, patients first. And yet we we forget about ourselves. And so you've got to put your mask on. You've got to. You can't drink from an empty cup, and you certainly can't fill. You can't serve others from an empty cup. Right. And then the other piece that is different, I think, um, and again I've seen this work, um, and, and so often it's it's not considered. And that's first team. So it has to be self care first. And then it has to be care for colleagues. It has to be first team. Only then is, is real, excellence sustainable. Only then do you have a workforce that is mission ready. That is, that is, you know, compassionate, they're engaged, they have pride, um, they have commitment. And so when they're, when they can care for themselves and they can care for one another's your patients and your customers, are going to be, they're going to be well taken care of. And pretty amazing. I'm so excited to have you on board, Vicky.
0: Thank
1: you. I'm excited to be here. We
0: have, um, yeah, you bring um, a very unique uh, perspective that, that I, I just love to hear about. And um, like I said, we're, we're all unique in our own ways, but we all have a very common thread. And I think that's what makes this such um, a great community. And I'm going to, as I wrap this up a bit, I'm gonna go back to what you were saying about community. And here's been the surprising thing to me, that I had this vision for this book and I very much wanted to get it out there. And so I started the process of Finding women through referrals and whatnot, you know, very organically, trying to you know get the right people. Um, I didn't want to put a Facebook ad out and <laughs> see, see what showed up. I wanted to get the right people on board, and 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 I have. I mean, amazing people. But here's what I did not expect: I did not expect the community. I did not expect the instant acceptance and love and support that came about simply because we were all connected and committed to the Lemonade Den. And um, so to what you you just spoke of, yeah, it, it, it is important. And if somebody doesn't have a community, um, they, they need to find that. And it, it's part of my secondary vision that the lemonade stand can become something greater, in terms of a community of, of love and of support and acceptance. Um, because I, I am for the first time really appreciating how important that is.
1: Yeah, we have an innate human need to belong, and as I've, as I've you know, develop my business over the past year. I, yeah, I can do coaching and consulting. I am a certified coach. Um, I, I can do those things. But I think what really gets me excited and what I think is needed is the education and community building. And so if I look at kind of the four pillars of, of how I want to build my business, um, it's the education, and then the community building and support. Again, there is there is um, I don't think there's a substitute for for community and for fellowship, and mm-hmm. and it looks different in you know in different different parts of your life. Um, but we have we have a need to belong. It's part of it's part of our human nature. Amazing! Yeah. So excited to have you here.
0: Um, I always feel like I want to like just thank people a thousand times. <laughs> And I've learned that I can't keep thanking you forever, but I give you my heartfelt thanks for being here and for being a part of the Lemonade Dan, and for your continuing participation. Um, It it means a lot to me.
1: Well, and thank you, Michelle, for your vision and for starting, starting this initiative and bringing this community together.
0: So thank you. Thank you, I appreciate that. And with that, um, I encourage and hope everyone will stay tuned to our announcements as they are forthcoming on the launch of the Lemonade Den um, and what the community is doing um, and Lemonade Legend, which will continue on beyond the series of the Lemonade Den to uh, give voice to people who have had those breakthrough moments. And in fact, if... uh, if you are one of them, contact me, and, and I'd love to consider having you as a guest. And so for, uh, for now, we'll say goodbye. And that um, we're, we're out here. We're out here for you and for everyone, and to be a support group uh, for anyone who's having that struggle. So Vicki, thank you. And I hope you have an outstanding rest of the day, wonderful week. You too. And uh, we will be talking.